0: Hello beautiful souls, welcome to the Liberated Woman podcast. I'm your host Shani, I'm a rebirthing breathwork facilitator, ancestral healer and spiritual guide and it's my life's mission to support women just like you on your path to spiritual awakening and feel safe in doing so. This podcast is for you to awaken your feminine energy, elevate your consciousness and reclaim the truth of who you really are. If you know that you are ready for more and want to stop playing small and take radical responsibility for your healing, expansion and liberation so that you can live your life in your highest pleasure, you've come to the right space. Each episode you will receive a deepening of your feminine wisdom so that you can be reminded of the magic and power that already lives in you. Let's dive in. Welcome beautiful souls to this first ever podcast episode of the liberated woman. I am so excited that you are joining me for this new journey, this new chapter and this new venture that I'm about to embark on where I get to share more of my voice, more of my wisdom, more of my feminine awakening stories and get to create a space for you to tune into this journey that you might be going through on your feminine awakening on your spiritual awakening I'm going to be having a mixture of solo casts and guest speakers on my podcast, and I cannot wait to get started with this journey. It took me a while to start this podcast, even though I've been wanting to do it for a really long time because I just couldn't come up with the perfect name that I wanted for this podcast. And when the liberated woman just dropped in like a a clear message to me, that this is the name of the podcast and also the name of my one-to-one program that takes women through a journey of transformation into their liberated selves. It became so clear to me that liberation is what most of us desire. And in order to feel liberated, we need to feel safe. We need to feel held. We need to be seen and heard and witnessed through this journey of feminine awakening which can feel really confusing and scary and overwhelming and often quite lonely until you find the people in your lives that can support you through this deep transformation. So let's get stuck into today's episode. Today, I'm just going to be sharing with you my own journey to feminine awakening, my own spiritual awakening, and how I got to be where I am now and the work that I'm holding for women because it wasn't always this way. And I didn't always know what this was. And I feel that it's really important for you to know my part in my journey so that you can feel that you're not alone, that there are so many women out there who are on this journey to feminine awakening, who are embracing their feminine, who are deconstructing the patriarchal conditioning internalized within us, from such an early age, from our ancestors, from the women who came before us, from the stories we've been told, from the cellular memories that we hold onto, from the belief systems that we take on as our own, even though they're not ours And so to share this story of mine with you will hopefully give you a sense of knowing that you are not alone, will give you a feeling that you are understood, that you are seen, that you are heard and that you are witnessed, which is my main mission on this planet, that all women are truly seen, heard and witnessed because for so many years we have been dismissed and silenced, unheard, put aside, told we're too much, not enough told to be like this, the expectation of us to be like that. And there are so many women now around the world globally who are awakening to the fact that they have been so deeply conditioned and they are going on these incredible spiritual healing journeys to decondition and de-armour and come back into the remembrance and the truth of who they truly are. And it's a beautiful, incredible, exciting journey But within that, it can feel overwhelming, scary, and confusing. So, my story I first started my spiritual awakening when I was around 22 years old, although I didn't know it at the time. When I was 19 and I was at university, I had really, really low self worth, really low self esteem. I was quite grossly overweight. Um, I comfort ate a lot. I heavily relied on sugar, on snacks um, for my for my comfort. And that stemmed from growing up in a family where um, I felt constantly criticized by my father, who was an avid runner. Um, he was always commenting on my weight, always commenting and criticizing on the way that I was. Um, and I turned to food as a, a form of rebellion, really, initially, but then as a form of comfort. And so when I was at university, Mm -hmm. I I started to eat a lot more. I didn't really drink, but I ate a lot. And I would hide myself away in my room and I would fill my little mini fridge with chocolates and ice creams and toast and all sorts of manners of of carby, stodgy yumminess, um, just to really give myself that comfort that I wanted. And as a result of that, I really felt that I wasn't worthy um, to be with a man. I'd never really experienced a proper relationship. I hadn't had anybody that was committed to me. My previous uh, boyfriends, if that's what you wanted to call them, had all cheated on me. And so I really didn't have a lot of trust in the masculine, not only because of my experience with my father growing up, but also around the men that I'd had any kind of connection with. And so during my time at university, I would see everybody else around me in these committed relationships, having an amazing time. And I wanted that, I really deeply desired that, but I just didn't know how to get it. And in my second year of university, I was once again badly rejected by a man that I really liked, that I'd spent some time with. And I know as another act of kind of rebellion, I ended up getting with his friend at a house party but little did I know at that time that the friends that I ended up getting with would turn out to be a three year abusive relationship. I was 19 at the time. As I said, I didn't really have any good experience of what it was like to be with a man who was truly loving and kind and caring. I was very used to being criticized or cheated on. And so I just accepted this as the norm. And we were in this relationship for three years up until the age of 22. And when I reached 22, I was in my first year of teaching. I trained to be a teacher straight from university. I was in my first year of teaching in a school. And the abuse had got worse. And we actually ended up moving in together. Now, when we decided to move in together at the age of 22, my whole body was screaming at me, not to do it. My whole body was screaming at me not to do it. I felt sick in my stomach. I remember coughing a lot. I remember feeling exhausted. I remember feeling heavy. And yet at that time, I was so disconnected from trusting my intuition that I ignored all those signs and I moved in with him. And obviously, that did not go down too well at all and within six weeks of living there i was in fear of my life and i ended up calling my mum in tears and saying please please let me come home i packed my bags and i left um i came back to the flat where we were living together to find that he trashed the entire place and broken all of my belongings and i knew that i'd made the right decision to to get out of there because i was scared for my life i i genuinely thought that I was gonna come home one day and not wake up because he was gonna do something to me. And that was the first time that I truly listened into my intuition and knew that I had to leave. I had to get out of there no matter what. And I moved home and it was really difficult. And I went back to my old ways and I started to binge eat again. I would eat and eat. Sometimes I would go to the supermarket and buy a pack of you know four donuts or four muffins Um, And I'd sit in my car and eat the whole lot and then feel sick and feel guilty for it. But I was doing it as a self-sabotaging behavior because I didn't know what else to do. I was so unworthy in myself at that point. I'd been beaten down to a pulp in the relationship. I had no self-esteem, no confidence, other than I knew that I'd done the right thing by leaving the relationship. In the same year that that happened, I had a really bad car accident to the point where I was cut out of the car. And it's kind of incredible really that I survived the accident. Um, I thank my angels, my, my now, I know that I have angels guides and protection around me, but really the speed at which the car hit me and the fact that I was squashed in the car and had to be cut out, I thank God that I was able to survive that and get through such a terrible trauma. But again, that trauma compiled on top of my trauma from the abusive relationship. And it all happened within the space of about four months. On top of that, um, in my first year of teaching, I lost two colleagues, one to cancer and one in a car accident. And so I was really experiencing a lot of grief um, all at once, a grief of um, not knowing myself, a grief of losing myself, a grief of losing a relationship that, that was the only relationship I really knew, even though I knew it wasn't right. and and dangerous the grief of losing control in the car the grief of losing the car and the grief of losing control over my life in general and the grief of losing two colleagues who I'd got really close to in my first year of teaching so I was really going through quite a lot and it was around that time that I started to seek holistic help I went to a reflexologist I went to um Counseling, and I started to go to things that I thought might help me to have an awareness of why I'd ended up in these situations. And that was the very, very beginning of my spiritual awakening. I was suffering with really bad flashbacks. Um, I'd have dreams and nightmares to the point where I didn't know if I was awake or asleep. Um, I'd wake up from my nightmare and believe that I was still in the nightmare, that I was living that nightmare i had really bad flashbacks and um was really struggling to make decisions i'd lost all faith in my ability to make decisions which is a really masculine trait and also a really um common symptom of trauma that you you fail to make those decisions because um you you're living your life in fight or flight so you're literally in survival mode so making any kind of decisions that's not for your Um, the benefit of your survival anything for example like choosing food off a menu or deciding you know where to go for the day or deciding whether I wanted to meet a friend or not I would literally freeze in fear of making the wrong decision because I'd decided to move in with um, I decided to move in with that partner even though my intuition had told me not to I had decided to um take the car that night i had decided to drive down that road that night and so i really blamed myself for all of those things even though none of them were really my fault and it took me years really to start moving through this at the age of 25 i decided to move countries i moved to singapore to continue teaching and Although it was an incredible opportunity and I was able to do amazing things during that time, looking back, it was really an avoidance. It was me running away from the situation. And we know that in these situations, you cannot run away. At the time, I didn't know that I had to sit and face the shadows, that I had to sit and face all what was coming up for me, but I ran away. And I spent almost five years living in Singapore, which is a very, very masculine-oriented country. It's a country, it's a small little city-state in the southeast of Asia, incredible place, but it's also a place of competition, of finance, capitalism. There's a big emphasis on what you can gain there. There's a big emphasis on... Not making mistakes, so they have a huge mistake culture to the point where people are scared to make mistakes because they get minus points, like a, um, especially in the school systems there. And so, living there kind of really exacerbated my my mistrust of the masculine because I was really constricted in my ability to be creative, in my ability to flow, in my ability to get messy, and my perfectionism which I had you know kind of become a perfectionist as as a result of my dad always criticizing me and telling me off and I wanted to please him and make him love me and tell you know for him to tell me that he loved me and he was proud of me so I went into a perfectionist state and living in Singapore just exacerbated that because you're so scared to make mistakes that you you become even more of a perfectionist and It was during my time in Asia that I started to rediscover my spiritual path. Every time I went to another country outside of Singapore and I would connect with the temples and I'd connect with the water rituals in Bali, the temples in Sri Lanka, when I'd connect with the rituals and the culture and the simple way of life that people were living in some of the tribes and the villages that I went to. I really understood that there was something so much more to life than being a perfectionist and being successful, than being product oriented, which is exactly how I grew up. And also Singapore really exacerbated that. I was getting promotions at sort of age 22, 23 at work and trying to work my way up the career ladder in teaching and um, and didn't really realize what kind of a detrimental effect that was having on my ability to be creative and to flow and to be spontaneous and to listen to what I actually wanted as opposed to what society wanted for me as a woman, as somebody who'd grown up going to a grammar school, as somebody who'd grown up in a productive, oriented, successful household And I was taught that, you know, productivity equals success, which is probably something a lot of you really can resonate with, particularly women living in their masculine, women who are high achievers, women who are perfectionists. And I work with a lot of women like that in my one-to-ones, in my breathwork journeys, in my women's events and in my women's circles. And so I was there in Singapore almost five years and something started to really niggle at me in that I felt like I didn't belong anywhere. Like I felt like, even though I'd grown up in the UK, I'm half Israeli, I have Algerian in me, I have Egyptian in me, I have Bulgarian in me, I have Russian and Dutch in me from my um, grandparents and my great grandparents' generation. And I didn't feel, I was like, I don't belong here, I don't belong in the UK, I don't belong in Singapore. Where do I belong? And I started to question, like, am I even from this earth? am I from this planet? What's going on? (laughs) And probably some of you can resonate with this as well. Probably some of you are like, no, I don't feel like I have a sense of belonging. Where do I belong? Where is my home? And at that point, I decided I wanted to explore more of my ancestry and my ancestral roots. So I decided to leave Singapore after almost five years, I was 30 years old at this point, and to move to Israel. Israel is the opposite of Singapore. <laughs> it's messy and it's creative and it's spontaneous and it's impulsive and it's fiery and it's Middle Eastern and it's Mediterranean and it's hot. And when I first got there, I was desiring that sense of community, feminine energy. I was desiring the flow, the fun, the pleasure. I was desiring the the fire that I was missing in Singapore in this uber masculine, efficient, capitalistic world that just wanted you to have more, 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 more all the time. No one was ever satisfied. And so when I first arrived in Israel, which is where my father is from, I did experience that. You know, I got the community. I got The creation, the flow, the connection, things were very, very different there. But after about five months, I met a guy, I met a man who then became another three-year relationship and he was lovely, really lovely, lovely man, but something still wasn't right. And he started to trigger in me all of the wounds that I'd already started to work on through my father wounding. And of course, all this was coming up because I was living in the country where my father was born and raised. It was my ancestry. And I started to understand at that point that your ancestral roots, that your ancestry lives within your cellular system. And I started to become fascinated with ancestral healing and what this means as somebody who was carrying the DNA of their ancestors and therefore the trauma of their ancestors. And it was so clear to me in Israel as a country that um, has experienced a lot of trauma in its creation. Um, since it's been a country, there's been a lot of trauma, a lot of war, a lot of conflict, um, a lot of people really dissatisfied with having to do certain things that they don't want to do, the way that that people perceive. Um, the country and the world, they, they feel that in their cellular system. And of course, there's also the trauma of the Second World War, of Nazi Germany. A lot of people living in Israel are descendants of Holocaust survivors. And when I was there, I really started to feel that in my body. I started to feel it in my system. And I started to become fascinated with ancestral healing. And it was about five months into being there that I... I kind of had a bit of a breakdown to be honest and I realized that I was playing out the same patterns of behavior that had been carrying on since my abusive relationship, since the the feeling that I needed to be validated by an external person, by a man especially and that I needed to be really like loved and seen and heard and witnessed in the way that I needed it and wanted it and desired it that I'd never got from my father or from any of the men that I'd been with. And at that point, I started to see a spiritual coach. And she helped me to reach kind of the first level of unpeeling the conditioning and the layers. She then unfortunately left the country and I didn't have anybody to work with. I really wanted to do in-person work at that time. I wasn't ready for online. And she passed me on to a breath worker. And I started to go to breathwork sessions and I started to learn about the birth script and I started to learn what it would have been like to be in the womb of my mother and what my mother had been going through during her pregnancy with me. And my mother lost a baby before she had me. So I was starting to experience what all this felt like to be the second baby in the womb, to, to have taken on my mother's anxieties, to have taken on my mother's feelings, to taken on my mother's DNA, her cellular system, and also learning more about my grandmother, my mother's mother, and of course being in Israel, my father's mother and her lineage and her ancestry. And it was all starting to kind of rise up to the surface. And I was doing this through the breathwork sessions with my breathworker. And when I first went to her, I was still very much leaving, living in a freeze trauma response. So I was still overwhelmed. I was unable to make decisions, I still didn't trust my decisions fully, I was better than I was at 22 when I first experienced the trauma, but I was still really living through this. And as a result of that, I was stuck in my body, I was unable to move my body. And it was only when I started going to breathwork sessions, and experiencing the power of conscious connected breathing, that these emotions started to rise up to the surface. And I was feeling like a felt sense in my body for the first time. And I was starting to release years and years of anger, years and years of pain, years and years of stuck emotion, stagnant emotion of uh, mistrust, of fear. And it was all coming up during these breathwork sessions to be moved through. I also, at that point, really started to, as I was awakening, I was like, right, I I need a community. Like, I can't do this alone. I can't go to these sessions once a week and then not have people to talk to about this. And so through my breathwork, I discovered women's circles. I went to my first ever women's circle on this beautiful rooftop in Tel Aviv. And I just remember for the first time in my life, truly, truly, truly feeling like I'd come home. I sat in that circle, all the women shared. When it got to my share, I let out all of my anger, all of my frustration. I cried buckets and buckets. And the women there just held me energetically. They held me in that space. Nobody judged me. Nobody asked me questions. Nobody interrupted me. Nobody dismissed me. They just energetically held me in that space. And for the first time in my life, I felt like I'd come home to me. And I knew then the power of sitting in women's circles. After that, I started going to cacao ceremonies and ecstatic dance workshops and retreats. And then I had the opportunity to hold space on a breathwork retreat and It was through that that I started to realize that perhaps teaching and working in a school was not the right career path for me anymore. I'd been doing it at that point about 12 years and um, it it started to feel like it wasn't right for me anymore. I was even holding women's circles at my school for the teenagers. I even held men's circles for the boys, the teenage boys. I had a meditation space in my office. I had this like chill out zone where the students would come and meditate and sit and I would already start to be using these tools and these techniques with them in school, which is amazing. Um, but I knew that there was something beyond this that I wanted to do. And it was around November 2019 um, that I joined a channeling course. I was doing a six week channeling journey um, in person with a lady in Israel. And it was at that point that all of my psychic gifts were really starting to open. I pulled in the fact that I wanted a past life regression, and within the channel, the channeling course. I experienced a really difficult past life regression being burnt at the stake. It was the first time I'd experienced it. It was so powerful and so profound. I absolutely knew that this was starting to be real, that my my oracle, my, my oracular skills, that my psychic abilities, that my mediumship, it was starting to all come online. It was all starting to open up and it was scary. But at this point, I had a community of women around me who could support me and hold me through that. Had I been doing this work alone, I think I would have felt even more scary, overwhelmed and, you know, just exhausted from the whole thing because it was just really a lot and it all happened at once. So although my spiritual awakening was a slow journey sort of over Several years. I hadn't really understood that that's what it was (laughs) when I was twenty two. It was only when it when really all started to come online around the age of thirty one to thirty three, and it all just happened so quickly. And at that point, I kept getting these messages saying, "You need to go to India. You need to go to India." And I knew I needed to leave my teaching job, but I was too scared to leave it in the middle of the year because of course conditioning and the good girl conditioning told me, no, you must stay at school till the end of the school year. See your students through the exam period. You can't just leave halfway through the year. I thought that. And then I, in a channeling, um, I was then at that point seeing um, the lady who held the channeling course. I was seeing her for one-to-one sessions as well. And during a session with her, I um, I got the very clear message that I needed to leave Israel. And when she asked me when my voice, my mouth just opened up. And without thinking about it, my voice said March, March, 2020. And we all know what happened in March, 2020. And so this India, 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 India kept coming to me. Someone on LinkedIn reached out and asked me if I was interested in a job interview for a school in India. Now, of course, I was not interested in working in another school at that point, because I decided that I was leaving teaching at that point. But, of course, here was a sign for India. So, I started looking up breathwork training, India, March. And I got my rebirthing breathwork training, starting in Rishikesh in India on the 6th of March. Great, amazing synchronicities all lining up. How am I going to leave school? How was I going to leave school? next day I went into school, was sitting in the management meeting. So I said, I'd work my way up the career. I was in senior management at this point. And one of my colleagues said to my school principal at the time, you know, what do we do about these teachers that sign contracts and then don't necessarily show up? What do we do about them? And the head teacher said in front of my face, those contracts don't mean anything. If a teacher wants to leave in the middle of the school year, they can boom there was my answer permission i didn't even need to worry about it anymore i knew at that point i had to leave i handed in my notice i left on february 29th a leap year 2020 and flew off to india for my breathwork training and of course <laughs> 3 weeks into the training we got stuck in rishikesh I made my way back to the UK because I had no choice. I moved back in with my mum and dad because I had no choice. I hadn't lived here in 10 years. And that was the next level of the spiritual awakening. They always say that if you really want to experience the next level of your, of your spiritual awakening, move in with your mum and dad. And I did. And through that, I worked on the next layer of my father wounding. And it was really through that that I started to create communities online initially because we were obviously living in a time where we weren't allowed to see people so I started creating online women's circles online breathwork journeys and I started to get my first clients and I knew that this was the path that I had to take and that I'd been put here for a reason and over the last three years that I've lived back in the UK I have created an incredible community of women who now come and sit in circle with me I have an incredible beautiful clients who come and have breathwork journeys with me or through my one-to-one program, The Liberated Women. I run events for women to come and feel free and liberated. I run an event called Awaken Your Inner Goddess, which is a beautiful place where they explore breathwork, sound healing, meditation, ecstatic dance. I hire in local women to come and sell their incredible products to empower the women that I work with. I've held workshops at festivals. I've held workshops for the university. It's been such a wild ride. And honestly, I'm so grateful to all of the things that happened to me along the way because without any of those things, I don't think I'd be where I am now. I wouldn't be doing this work. I certainly wouldn't be talking to you on this podcast called The Liberated Woman. And I wouldn't have met the amazing women that I've met and been able to transform lives you know as a teacher that's what you do really you're there to not just teach but to transform lives and that is something that I've been doing since I was 22 as a teacher I've been transforming lives in all manner of ways and now I just get to do it in a whole new holistic way that feels incredible since being back in the UK for the last three years, my light language has activated. My psychic skills have increased. My ability to do energy work has just exploded. And with that, I've had to gain a whole new load of skill sets to protect my energy, to ensure that I'm in integrity, to ensure that I'm I'm safe and the spaces that I'm holding are safe. And then I met my partner, who's a shaman. And so we've got a whole nother level of Um, Conscious Union, Sacred Union, which is bringing up a whole new level of spiritual awakening and the journey to feminine awakening, to trusting the masculine, to trusting your decisions, to empowering yourself, to feeling liberated in your boundaries, to knowing that you get to use your voice that you get to live life on your terms, the way that you desire. This is possible for all of you. It is possible in any way that you desire. And yes, it takes a lot of time. And yes, it takes a journey. And yes, it takes a lot of deep dive work. It takes a lot of time spent in the shadows, in the darkness. This is not a love and light journey to feminine awakening. Feminine awakening is not pulling an oracle card and, Outsourcing your power to messages that might be, it's not having your crystals on you or having a tarot reading. Those things can definitely help and they can definitely give you some kind of tools to support your journey. But spiritual and feminine awakening is a descent deep, deep down into your womb to decondition years and years and years of trauma that we are carrying in our cellular system as women living in a patriarchal world. And I hope that by listening to this podcast, by sharing in this space with me, that you will start to feel more liberated, that you will start to know that you are not alone, that you have a community of women out there going on the same journey as you, even if it's not at the same pace and your backgrounds are different and your stories are different, that you do have those women out there who understand, who see you, who witness you, who hold you and who love you and I can't wait for you to come and be a part of this wild ride with me. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Liberated Woman podcast. I hope this episode has landed in your heart and activated and awakened you in some way. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe and leave a review this really helps more awakening women on their spiritual path to reach out and gives them a safe space to drop in and feel connected and empowered. I'd love to connect with you over on my IG at underscore Shinny Bella and in my Facebook group, The Divine School of Feminine Awakening. Until then, have a magical day.